136. We stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, imploring Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor miserable sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your punishment now and forever. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, as a called and ordained servant of the Word, announce the grace of God to all of you, And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The introit. Give peace, O Lord, to those who wait for you. And let your prophets be proven faithful. Hear the prayer of your servants, according to the blessing of Aaron upon your people. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Glory be to God on high. 
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, for as much as without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the 18th Sunday after Trinity is from the 10th chapter of Deuteronomy. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you today for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heaven belong to the Lord our God, also the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delights only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples as it is this day. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart, and be stiff-necked no longer, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes the bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise. And he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. This is the word of the Lord. chapter of 1 Corinthians. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift 
eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called, into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. According to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. This is the Gospel of the Lord. The Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, Begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of life, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men, and for our salvation, came down from heaven, and was in heart by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. And was crucified also for us and for Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended to heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together worship and glorified, who is woke by the prophets. And I believe in one the Holy Christian and all the truth. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
sermon text is from Matthew 22, verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is our text. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. King David knew who Jesus was. The Heavenly Father had promised him that one of his children would sit on an eternal and heavenly throne. The human son of David, our king, was also going to be the divine son of God. The Lord, our heavenly father, said to the Lord Jesus, David's son, sit at my right hand. We know that Jesus has accomplished our salvation. He is seated upon the heavenly throne and he will return again to judge the living and the dead. Last week, Jesus was accused of breaking the Sabbath law because he healed a man with dropsy on the Sabbath day. Well, this week, the Pharisees seek to trap him with questions about the law. They will absolutely not acknowledge him to be the Messiah. Now, there are many today who see the gross immorality of our society and they seek to make the Ten Commandments a guide for the perfect society. They say things like, Oh, if only everyone would keep the Ten Commandments, then we wouldn't have any troubles. Now, those who speak this way would surely have been accepted by the Pharisees because they also thought that the law could reform man and society. The, the Pharisees believed that it was going to be strict obedience to the law and by that they could please God, then, then maybe they could speed up his return. Similarly, they thought that it was the disobedience of the Israelite nation which had brought their trouble upon them, things like the submission to Roman rule. But the fact is, is that the law does not change the human heart. It only forces an imperfect and outward compliance. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. You know about the holier-than-thou crowd. They always have done one more thing than you have. They have one more law that you need to keep. And there was always a better time in the past a time when people lived righteously. It is these Pharisees that come to engage Jesus in a little law boasting and a little saber rattling, if you will. And they want to know, so what is the great commandment in the law? Is it the desecration of the Sabbath? And the festivals, is that what it is that has ruined society? No, no, no. It's Roman liberalism which prevents us from living as real Jews. No, no, it goes back further. 
It's the mingling together of the heathen and God's people that caused all of this. No. No. If people only would make the required sacrifices. Yeah, those are the laws that are the greatest. Then everything would go well. Well, if we had only tear down the heathen altars. So you argue about the laws. The laws that if you only kept them. So how does it go today? Well, similarly, it's like that. Some say it was the introduction of birth control. That was the downfall of our society. It led to adultery and abortion. No, it was welfare. Yep, welfare is what made people lazy. And then women could raise children without a father. That was the... No, it was feminism. That caused the family to collapse. No, it's when we left the farm and moved to the city. It's urbanization. Yep, that destroyed man's connection to the ground and the simple life. You notice the solution is always one more law, one more reform, one more step back to the time when... The Ten Commandments were never intended as a fix for society. When the Pharisees sought to enlist Jesus in this never-ending discussion, Jesus threw a monkey wrench right in their plans. He explained the law in terms of love. Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love. They couldn't argue anymore. It couldn't just be one more. No, the law of God doesn't simply point to external changes. Furthermore, the law cannot be used as a guide to regulate society. The Ten Commandments reveal the real problem. It's found in the human heart. And it is a lack of love. Some portray the law like a teacher who can always find something wrong with your work. That loop in the writing of your letter, it should be a bit fuller and maybe a little higher. That legato phrase in the music should be held out just a little longer. And that footnote, yep, that one's not indented. Misspelling of the word, I before E, not the other. I remember one time that I mowed the lawn, only to be told that I needed to sweep the grass off of the sidewalk. That's not exactly mowing the lawn, but okay. And so I cleaned off the grass. Did you edge the sidewalk? The Pharisees always raised the bar. 
And they kept raising it. And when they came, the Pharisees had raised the bar to a new level and everybody looked at them and said, wow, look what they're doing. They crossed every T and dotted every I. They mowed the lawn, edged the sidewalk, cleaned the grass clippings, and even planted a few flowers to boot. But it's not enough. When Jesus explains the law according to love, the true meaning is actually revealed. The commandment of love is so sublime and so great that it cannot be fulfilled in this life. The Lord desires that our entire heart love him, without hindrance, without distraction. He desires that our soul be completely devoted to him. He desires that our mind always acknowledge him and think about him as the highest good. All of man's powers are to be directed towards him and him alone. We're not to do anything out of guilt. Not to do anything reluctantly. An appeal to duty or obligation? Well, that's not love. We're not to act with the intent to earn or receive something. And it doesn't matter whether someone sees or rewards. Love does it whether it gets anything in return, and it definitely doesn't desire it. Love is freely given. Our actions must spring from love. The commandment of love is so sublime and great that we cannot fulfill it in this life. St. Paul, who formerly was a Pharisee, understood. He had to admit in 1 Corinthians 13.3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Even those things. We need perfect love if we are going to please God. And thus, the commandment to love God and the neighbor is so sublime and so great that we cannot fulfill it in this life. When the Pharisees' law questions had left them with unfulfilled love, Jesus points them to the fulfillment of the law when he says, What do you think about the Christ? Jesus offers the Pharisees a heavenly wisdom that far exceeds anything that they have. If the law's commandment of love leaves us lacking, it is the gospel's promise of Christ that satisfies our need. If we wish to please God, we need perfect love. And faith in Jesus Christ provides us with perfect love. Jesus' perfect love is our righteousness. Our Lord Jesus, David's Son, perfectly fulfilled the commandments to love, and he did it with the highest perfection. Not only did he cross every T and dot every I, he did it with a perfect love for us. He was obedient to the Father even unto death, Note John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, 
than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus did this. Not to merit anything. Not because we merited anything. He did this out of love. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus comes of himself without our prayer and obedience. He comes because he loves us. He comes of himself. Our Lord's great passion and death shows us his perfect love for his Father. And it's his perfect love to give us, his neighbors, blessings. His love is his desire. He needed nothing. He wanted to give it to us. If we wish to stand before God's judgment, we must bring with us perfect love. That is, faith in Christ. You see, Christ's perfect love takes hold of our faith and gives us solace against the accusations of God's love. Just as Christ's bitter suffering is payment for our guilt, so his perfect love is our righteousness that has merit before God. Hence, the law and its accusations can do nothing against us. For true faith grabs onto Christ, appropriates him, and in Christ we now possess perfect love. Where there is fulfillment of the law, faith in Christ, there is justification. Where there is justification, there is God's grace, and the demands of the law have been erased. And so we understand Paul in Romans 10, verse 4, where he says, Christ is the end of the law. That would be the fulfillment of it. Yes. Whoever believes in him is righteous. That's us. We have Christ's perfection because he fulfilled the law for us. More than that, God isn't done. He loves us so much, he's going to give us not only salvation in Christ's perfection, but when Christ's perfect love is bestowed on us through faith, he also gives us the Holy Spirit, who truly kindles in us true love in our hearts, so that, Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so the one who is the God of love now pours the love of God inside our hearts. Wherever the Holy Spirit and Christ dwell, this love then is kindled. And this love then becomes a mark of the true Christian. As the Lord says in John 13, By this everyone will know you are my disciples, for you have love for one another. You see, faith and love cannot be separated. Not only faith that trusts in Jesus, who is our love, but the one who has faith is also given love towards the neighbor. Therefore, whoever does not love, well, does not have true saving faith. For if a man's faith is genuine, he then appropriates not only forgiveness, but also love towards the neighbor. He wishes with all his power to do his neighbor well. And he wishes to freely give to his neighbor just as he receives from God. Just as God has loved us, so we also love one another. 
Christ lives in our hearts through true faith. Christ is present wherever he resides. And you see, Christ resides with us. Nothing but love. He resides in us that he might, well, lead us to love. So that, if a man wishes to please God, he must have true love. He must have the true love that pleases God. He must have Christ first and foremost. And only then is he able to please God by his love towards, well, one another. And so the Lord has given us all that we need. When he teaches them who is the Christ, he points them to what they need so that the law might be fulfilled. They need faith in Christ. They need the love of God towards man in Christ. And only then can we, imperfect as we are, be able to love God and our neighbor in return and out of thankfulness. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Page 143, Create in Me. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord Almighty God, everlasting Father, we give you thanks that your Son, our Lord, has completely fulfilled the law of love by his obedience to you and by his suffering and death for our salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord We ask that the church might not only speak clearly about those unkeepable demands of the law, but also tell the good news about the perfect love of the God-man, Jesus the Christ. Grant your Holy Spirit to all pastors, to our Bishop James, our pastors Michael and Gary, that they may be wise stewards of these incomparable treasures of word and sacrament by properly dividing law and gospel. By your Spirit, increase in us a genuine love of your word, a true understanding of the person and work of Christ our Savior, we ask that our early childhood learning center, our director, Keeley, that they would be about teaching the children about that son of David, Jesus Christ, our God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. O ruler of all, give governments around the world, and especially the government of the United States, guidance, integrity, a willingness to act out of love and care for the people they serve, Protect our President Joe, our Governor J.B., our Mayor Steve, all our leaders, that keep them from a mere self-interest that they may faithfully serve the common good. Protect those who serve in the armed forces, especially Danny, Jason, and Blake, our police officers, especially Daniel and Alex, that they may diligently carry out their duties and be protected from all harm and danger. 
Let us pray to the Lord. Bless our shut in Carolyn, our elderly Violet and Tom. Provide for the needs of Kevin, Stan, Jack, Levi, Jennifer, Victor and Marcia, Anita. Uh, also be with uh, Paul Horman, uh, Michael's father, who was hospitalized uh, yesterday. Be with our students, with Sarah, Sadie, Jonathan, Kara, Alexis, Ashley, Cameron, Benjamin, and Jacob. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord O Lord, Heavenly Father, we here remember the sufferings and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Praising his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Lord of heaven and earth, 
We praise and thank you for having had mercy on those whom you created, sending your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us to in his own testament. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this dietary gift. We implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Bless we the Lord. Our Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.